folks. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of Food for Thought. Very Canadian edition today, as we have Rindy Bristol, Senior Director at Star Produce with us to talk about growing fresh produce, namely salad greens in Canada. Star Produce is the company behind the brand Inspired Greens that you've come to love and enjoy while browsing the produce section at your local grocery store, thought about purchasing, or very likely will after listening to Rindy describe them. 100% of Inspired Greens are grown in Coaldale, Alberta, under 10 acres of glass in the most advanced greenhouse in North America. Greenhouse clean, pesticide-free, sustainably grown Canadian greens. Fun fact, why Coaldale? It gets the second most sunlight hours in Canada. So whether it's January or June, Inspired has the ability to produce anywhere between 21 and 33,000 heads of lettuce every day. Inspired just signed a supply deal to supply one of the most popular fast food restaurants in Canada. I'm hoping Rindy will tell us which one. Where does this podcast find you? I am in sunny Coldale, Alberta at Whole Leaf. Okay. And for the viewers, Whole Leaf is the greenhouse itself? Yes. Whole Leaf is the facility and the exclusive grower of Inspired Greens and Inspired Leaves. Okay. So, so for the viewers, you're a senior director at Star Produce, but having gotten to know you over the past few years, you seem to wear a lot of different hats and are one of, if not the biggest cheerleader for Canadian greenhouse greens, I know. Tell us a little bit more about your experience in the space. It's an interesting question for sure. And I, I, because I've been involved in, in the project and the planning and the, the launch of this product um, since inception, I, I've got to dive into a, a whole bunch of different parts of the project from operations to marketing to sales, um, you know, helping the finance team and whatnot where I can to make sure that um, we are covering off all the basis as everything that we do um, within this brand and within this facility is uh, there is no textbook. So um, my knowledge on greenhouse um, growing and greenhouse products was incredibly limited um, up to five years ago. But I had the you know amazing privilege of getting to be around people um, that had experience in the industry. We Howard Kasaka, who you know, was the mastermind behind putting the technology together and making it all work as a cohesive state at Whole Leaf, um, is a 40-year um, BC hothouse grower with, you know, an extensive knowledge in growing tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers and, and just greenhouse growing in general. So I, I, I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with, with him, as well as other people in, in the star group of companies that just have an extensive knowledge. So I absorbed what I could and, and can still, I, I learn something new every day. And uh, here we are, you know, five years later with a uh, 11 acre greenhouse uh, producing lots and lots of lettuce for Canadians. So for those unaware of Star Produce, can you share a little more insight on just how big the company is and all the great brands that ride, reside within it? Because I think uh, once you share those, a lot of customers will say, oh, gee, I've seen that product at my grocery store every, you know, every time I go. Absolutely. So the, the Star Group has been, has been in the produce industry for um, 30 years. We're coming up on our 31st year. We started um, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan as a tomato repacker. Um, and so you've definitely eaten our tomatoes. You've definitely picked up our blueberries or our peaches, our cherries, our peppers, uh, you know, our lettuce, of course, as well as, you know, a lot of our processed um, fruits and veggies that, that our company sliced FC. 
is is out in the market with with pineapple spears, with fruit and veggie trays, um, mango slices, all those those wonderful things that that help on the value added side and, and help people um, on their busy days. So some of our brands that we have are are just picked, um, and that's a brand that we really reserve for our Canadian growers, our Canadian orchards. Um, we have apples, the, the Salish apple, the ambrosia apple, which was developed in, in Canada um, with, our, with our company CFP. Uh, we also have Big Taste, which a lot of people will recognize um, at a lot of the major retailers. Uh, we've got artisanal growers, uh, which is all about food provenance and, and understanding and loving that, you know, our food is, 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 there's an artisanal aspect to our food and growing our food and really understanding where our food come from, comes from and who grows our food. And then our last brand um, is, in, is called Inspired. And we have a couple of, of brands under that, which is Inspired Leaves, uh, which is our value added lettuce and then Inspired Greens, which is our whole head living lettuce. Okay. So Inspired Greens, that's kind of what I wanted to, to focus in on as, you know, it's lettuce, but it almost resembles a bouquet of, of vibrant flowers. When you see it in the grocery market, there's rich reds, earthy greens, funky leaf shapes all together. And it, and it almost is bundled like a bouquet of flowers. Tell us more about the advantages of growing these greens indoor year round in a climate like Alberta, which, you know, isn't necessarily the most temperate eight months a year. Uh, tell us more about Inspired. Yeah, not at all. I mean, we have put plunk down a greenhouse. Um, in a, in a really interesting, challenging environment for our growing team. Uh, the reason why we chose Coaldale in Southern Alberta is because there's a lots of sunlight here. There's the second amount of sunlight hours um, in Canada, right in the area. And, you know, but we do get lots of wind down here. It does get very cold. As you, um, as you noted, we can have lots of swings in temperature where we go from minus 30 Celsius one day, and we can be, you know, plus 10 the next couple of days later. So our growing team has, you know, the responsibility of managing the um, external climate. But at the end of the day, the reason why we're here is, is to absorb the sunlight and natural sunlight, you know, is the one important thing that helps plants grow at the speed that they need to grow at, it helps with nutrition and, and, and making sure that they, they are the color that they are. Um, and it just helps with the overall nutrition and, and the product that we're going. We wouldn't want to be in any other community, but where we are, we, we love it here. The community is, has uh, welcomed us with open arms and um, we're proud to be here. Oh, that's great. So you mentioned the, the size, I want to say it was 10, 10 or 11 acre operation. Can you put in perspective just, you know, how big that is in the, in terms of, of greenhouses and, and what sort of, you know, output that looks like from a, a lettuce perspective. For sure. So it's in, when you talk to greenhouse or when you talk about greenhouses, 11 acres is um, laughable <laughs> when you, you know, when you consider the other crops that are, that are typically grown in the greenhouses, such as long English cucumbers, um, TOVs, you know, cherry tomatoes, beefsteak tomatoes, and then, you know, your, your bell peppers um, or your mini peppers that are, you know, your most familiar greenhouse crops. So 11 acres is, is very, very small. Um, when, when you're talking about those crops, what is unique about whole leaf is that in, in 11 acres, um, it's, it's five hectares, is that we are able to 
harvest. Right now we're averaging close to about 60,000 heads a day for harvest. Um, and the amount of production that we're able to, to garner over 365 days is, is unprecedented. We're just able to um, grow a lot of product in a small amount of space, which makes our carbon footprint a little bit smaller, which makes us sustainable for the long term for the next 20, 25 years. Um, and it, it allows us to be it allows us to be profitable. It allows us to have scale to go out and do projects and to partner with retailers to have programs that, that reach from coast to coast to coast in Canada. So we're, we're proud of what we're able to, um, to do in production, but we've got a long way to go. We have, we're only three years old. So we we're kind of, you know, getting out of that startup phase and we're starting to mature in our practices and our production and, and whatnot. And, but we've got a long way to go. We can push the system a little bit more to, to actualize um, more production. The goal is to, uh, to produce 20 million heads annually out of this facility. Is there any other operation in North America remotely like yours? I mean, the numbers you're talking about in terms of lettuce uh, is huge for greenhouse growing, or, or at least in Canada where our climate is not what it would be like down in Nogales and California and whatnot, traditional outdoor growing regions. Uh, there is no other facility quite like this one actually in the world. There's a couple in, in Europe that are have similar features um, to what Holy has, um, but we are truly unique in, in the greenhouse industry for the amount of space that we have and the amount of production that we're able to, um, to garner from that space. In North America, um, I mean, I'm sure if everybody's reading the news and, and reading, you know, the, the publications that there is a lot of focus on greenhouse growing. We have 9 billion people to feed in 2050 and the greenhouse industry is going to be a large part of the solution um, to that challenge. So in terms of North America, there, there really is no other greenhouse um, that has all of the, the technologies working um, together like they, they do here at Whole Leaf. But, uh, you know, we welcome the competition. We, we welcome that people are, are looking to greenhouse grown products um, to, to add to their basket and to add to their grocery cart. And, and we want to work with, you know, we want to work with growers. This isn't, this is uh, where we've got our space and, and North America is a big country. So we definitely are interested to see what other people are doing just as they're interested to see what we're doing. And I think um, together we make this industry go forward and we raise the bar for quality and for value for consumers. For, for an 11 acre operation, I'm assuming there has to be, you know, some level of automation, robotics, AI, things along those lines and technology as you know, that would be a large uh, operation to be, you know, largely run by, by humans. Can you share any, you know, insight as to without giving away any of your secret sauce, but just what sort of technology, you know, is now in encompassed in greenhouses. Cause I think it's come a long way from what people assume, you know, a, a, a clear plastic roof is to what you guys are operating. Definitely. This facility doesn't, isn't capable to get the production um, and to service our programs to our customers without, you know, the aid of automation. So we automatically, there are no human touches in the greenhouse. Um, the first human touch is, is when our harvesters um, pluck the head from, from the channel and, and they do a quick QA on that head. So every head that goes out of this facility is looked at by, um, 
is looked at by a person, by our harvest crew. And so that's how we're ensuring quality. That's how we're ensuring we're meeting specs for our customers, but we don't do it without, um, you know, three or four robots. We've got four robots um, that we've, you know, affectionately named um, Sal and Ed. And if you put that together really quick, it's salad. And so, you know, they help our, our days. They help us with transplant. Um, we have our sewing is automated. We do everything that we do for germination. We don't um, use a third-party propagator. We we germinate in-house. And so we're, we're attempting to be completely self-sufficient and, and doing everything in-house so that we don't... Um, lack at all on food safety. It's important that with all of the recent news and, and some of the struggles that have happened in, for the field growers, that that doesn't happen in the greenhouse. So um, technology, all of the reporting, all of our climate is, is controlled um, automatically. And then we also have our growers looking at the data that's coming back from the sensors outside in the greenhouse to, to know that if our climate is what is going to make the plants happy and, and make sure that they're, they're growing how we need them to grow. So a huge reliance on technology, um, but also in turn, a huge reliance on the human aspect and the intellectual knowledge that comes with, um, that comes with being an agronomist and a grower and being a biologist and understanding, you know, those little nuances that the plants are, are letting you know if they're happy or, or they're not happy. So the plants rule, rule this facility as much as we like to think we do. The, the, plants, uh, <laughs> the plants tell us what they like and what they don't like, and we, we need to listen. For sure. So, so speaking of the plants, so, you know, Batavia's green and red, butter, lettuce, romaine, you have different colors of each different blends, true North blend, it, it paint a picture for the customer of just, you know, the innovation that you guys have brought to the space and what sort of the next, uh, wave and evolution. Um, you know, I've, I've eaten your product many times and it, it truly is, you almost feel bad at times eating it because it does look like, like art. It, the, the greens are that vibrant, that colorful, uh, tell us a little bit more about the, you know, what you've done from an innovation perspective. For sure. I am always on the hunt for that next leaf that will change the palates um, of our, of our customers and then also, and their customers, because we, you know, we're, we're out there selling to the, to the retailers and to food service and whatnot. So I think, which was interesting when we first developed this program and we were looking at the varieties, we had to very heavily rely on what had been happening in Europe for the past 20 years, because they were so much further out ahead of us, um, on this type of product. And so we relied heavily on that. Um, but we knew that the Canadian palate had, was thirsting and, and looking for an opportunity to eat greens that were glossy, to eat greens that tasted fresh and were juicy. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things about eating inspired greens is that I don't eat dressing with my salad just because we're actually able to grow a product that has flavor to it, which we're not used to um, with the products from the field. And so we were, we're able to capture that by, by having the plants indoors sheltering them from the external environment. So some of the innovation that we're really going after is, is crunch. We know North Americans love their Caesar salad. We know that crunch is just a huge component of, on the texture scale of, of how people want to incorporate that texture into their meals. So we're looking at some hybrid varieties that will, you know, be a, be a hybrid between an iceberg and an oak so that you get that crispy crunchiness of iceberg lettuce, but you get the color 
and you get the leaf shape and the leaf texture um, of another variety. And, and I'm always looking for something that's nutty, something that's peppery. We do have, you know, our, our crest that is included in the Great North Blend, as well as our baby beet leaf, which gives that earthy, nutty, deep, dark red contrast so that it, it really just makes a beautiful salad. And, and we, we want to just inspire people um, to be creative in their kitchens. And with COVID, what better way to experiment in your kitchen and, and look at all the applications that uh, inspired greens and inspired leaves can have for home chefs. Oh, that, that's great. I, 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 for one, am excited to, to see what's next. So speaking of, of greenhouse technology, where in the world is sort of the Holy grail of who's the most advanced, like what part of the world did you look at and go study and scout prior to building your facility? Uh, definitely greenhouse. The Mecca of, of greenhouse is definitely the Netherlands. The Dutch have, have figured out, um, have figured out the greenhouse, uh, technology and they, and they continually push the bar on improving the scale of what can happen inside a greenhouse. So there are strawberries being grown inside. We've seen melons that are now going inside to the greenhouse, um, along with the traditional crops such as, you know, peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, and, and now leafy greens. So if you need to know um, anything about uh, greenhouse, definitely check out what they're doing in the Netherlands, but Canada, Leamington, Ontario, as well as uh, BC, British Columbia, there, there is a host of, and a wealth of information right here in Canada. So we're North American market is a little bit further behind in terms of how Europeans smell their food and taste their food and want to buy their food. Um, but I think that, that the North American palate is, is quickly catching up and, and we're interested in, in different textures and flavors. And so it, it bodes well for, for the products that we're growing. That's, that sounds great. Um, so speaking of greenhouse technology, a lot of Canadians or, you know, if, if they hear something about modern farming, they automatically think vertical farming and assume that it's the next wave of innovation within the greenhouse space. But as I've learned from researching the topic the past couple of years, I have a close friend who's done a deep dive on it. I've learned that it's actually quite difficult to make the economics work without subsidies, grants, things of that nature. Um, you know, obviously what you're doing, I don't believe it is vertical farming. So how, how is the hydroponic farming that inspired doing it, it different? And, and was vertical farming ever something you guys seriously evaluated or, you know, very quickly early on, you realized that it just wasn't scalable, um, to make the economics work. Yeah, I think you're, you're definitely, you've hit the nail on the head in, in terms of vertical farming and some of the challenges that those growers and those operations are, are having just on the economic side, they can definitely grow great product. There's been amazing advances in led lights, as well as um, just the technology on, on fertilizing and, you know, sending out nutrients to the plants and whatnot. But we've experienced the same thing. We're watching the vertical space really closely. As I mentioned earlier, we have 9 billion people to feed and there is something to be said for food miles. So what these growers and operations are, are trying to um, succeed with is, is really important. And so I, I don't think it needs to be dismissed. I think that there is, it's an absolutely valid way of growing and it's been proven that it's a valid way of growing. Um, in terms of greenhouse, we've, we looked at it and said, we have an opportunity to be in an amazing space here in Coaldale that we can utilize fresh, 
clean water as our source, as well as the ability to capture, you know, hours and upon hours of natural sunlight. And for <laughs> thousands of years, Mother Nature has been has been growing the sustenance that we need to survive. And it would be it's an interesting concept to block out Mother Nature and natural sunlight. And and there's it's it's expensive um, in terms of electricity and heating and your HVAC system as well as your transplanting if you're not doing it automate if you're not automating your your transplant system. So we're watching that space very closely. It wasn't uh, the route that we decided to go with. We had experience, knowledge, and expertise in traditional glass houses. We don't have a traditional glass house, but we understood that space a lot better than we did the vertical space. Um, but I'm interested and in, in closely watching and, and intrigued on the vertical space because they those operations will definitely have a place in the market. They will definitely be important to urban centers and to remote centers to make sure that that all people and and consumers have access to fresh greens. It's an it's an important part of your diet for sure. Yeah, that, that's a great point at the end about servicing remote and urban areas. As I know, <clears throat> certain cities, um, you know, they, they have models where a lot of the higher end restaurants will source their greens, where you can get away and pass on some of that cost to the customer where they're, you know, a little less price sensitive than somebody shopping at the grocery market for their family of five or six. So yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, so what would you say to Canadians who care about what they put in their body of, about the merits of your green Canadian? growing greens versus the imported lettuce that you often see at the supermarket. What might, you know, the average Canadian consumer not know about what percentage of greens they see in the supermarket are imported versus locally grown? What insight would you have for them? It's, it's a great question. And I love the question. Um, one of the things that, that I was, that I found out and, and learned throughout this process was, um, and it, it seems obvious when you think about it, but as soon as you sever a plant, a fruit, a vegetable from its nutrient source, so a, a watermelon from its vine, um, a tomato from its vine, a cucumber, um, all of those things, once you sever that from its nutrient source, the, the plant is losing nutrition. So when you think about where, you know, 98% of lettuce in North America comes from, from the West Coast, and we, we truck it here because it was something that people wanted in their diets and wanted to include in their meals. And, and what's interesting is that that product is um, being cooled and, and all of the post-harvest techniques, which are a marvel of science um, and ingenuity in its own right. But, but those plants, um, that leaf, that lettuce is, is losing nutrition. And so when you can eat a plant that's still living, all of the metabolic function of that plant is still operating and going on. And so we're able to provide a more nutritious product. There's less food miles because it is grown locally. Um, and it, I just find that it just tastes a little bit better because it's been grown inside and hasn't been exposed to the wind and the rain and the birds and the cattle and, and, and everything else that, that outdoor agriculture um, has challenges. with for sure. So that's one of the, the one thing that was really interesting is that as soon as food is severed from its nutrient source, it, it's losing its nutrient content. Um, and we're just doing our best to prevent 
decay and, and death. So when you buy at the grocery store, look for things that have been grown locally. They're, they're much closer to home and, and provide just a better uh, balance of nutrients. That, that's a good segue into my next question. So, you know, for, for the viewers, so the reason that you and I met was in a past life, I worked at a, a national meal kit provider. And during the E. coli outbreak down in the US, uh, our meal kit, we were in desperate need of safe greens that we could put into our boxes. Enter Inspired Greens. I, I literally cold called you guys and wanted to learn more about the greenhouse growing greens that you were you were growing. And, you know, at that time we were seeing, you know, lesser in demand lettuces like iceberg going for prices never seen before. It completely, you know, the market went crazy. Has there been any regulatory or supply chain regulations changed to prevent events like this um, or, you know, increase in traceability? Obviously this isn't something that inspired necessarily needs to do as much because like you said, you're not exposing them to the elements and the cattle and, and certain things where there can be contamination. Uh, but I'm assuming that events like this, you know, it, you know, in a weird way, we're actually an advantage for a company like Inspired because you were completely cut off from that supply chain. Everything, all variables are controlled. So has the industry seen any, it's, it wasn't the first outbreak, but it was a significant one. Has, has the industry seen any material change or a lack thereof? Yeah, no, there's definitely changes happening. And I mean, as as we are greenhouse growers, there is there will always be a need for what the farmers and growers do on the West Coast. They they have been doing what growing lettuce in the fields for 120 years now. They have perfected the science of growing and making sure that they can get it cross country um, in a in a state that can still be enjoyed by consumers wherever we are in North America. And, and they, you know, have, have met the challenges of food safety head on and, and they're taking it on. So some of the things that are, that are happening is that um, every box of lettuce that crosses the border from the U S into Canada needs to be marked with a, um, with a region on where that product was grown so that it can increase the traceability and the ability to get the information out to consumers in the event of when, and if another outbreak Break happens for sure. CFIA is um, in January of 2020 is, is going to have traceability on all units of of produce going into the into, into the grocery stores. So consumers will just have more visibility, more transparency about where their food is coming from, when it was packed, and and if the event that something does happen, and we always know that we're dealing with food here, things will happen um, that we can protect consumers and that we can make sure that 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 all people that are consuming our goods um, are, are healthy and that they're safe. We're lucky that, as we mentioned earlier, but the most important thing for us in, at Whole Leaf is, is a clean water source. It's the same thing with growers in, um, in California and Arizona as well. Having access to clean water is, is so important when you're, when you're growing lettuce and leafy greens because the plant is 98% water. Our bodies are 70% water. So Clean water is just so important to making sure that when you consume these products that, that you're staying healthy. And, and our goal here at Whole Leaf is to make sure that any water that leaves this, is, leaves this facility is in the, the form of, of a leaf and in a plant. So all the water that we have here, um, we capture it, we recycle it, we treat it, we make sure that it's safe, we test it. Um, so that we can go out to consumers and, and have them rest assured that when they're purchasing our products, 
um, that they're purchasing something that's safe and clean and, and healthy and, and most importantly, tasty to eat. That's very, that's very reassuring. Um, and kind of a follow-up question to that. What do you think is something that consumers don't necessarily fully comprehend about, about health labels that are thrown around? I mean, you're quite an educated consumer. You understand the produce market, but you see a lot of, you know, plant-based, organic, vegan, dairy-free, pesticide-free, um, when it comes to food marketing. Uh, the reason I ask is a lot of, sometimes, you know, people will assume that because something is vegan, it is automatically healthier. In some cases it is in others, it isn't. But one of the things I really like about your website, let's say is on it, it says zero pesticides, greenhouse, clean, sustainably grown. You know, those are just matter of fact statements about the product. It's not, you know, trying to necessarily play tricks necessarily on, uh, you know, the consumer, it's just, like you said, clean water, greenhouse, clean. I, I really like that transparency. It's simple. It's to the point and it's not necessarily politicizing it. So, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you know, what do you look for or what do you think that some people don't necessarily comprehend when they see these labels around food and produce? Yeah, that's a great question. So personally, what I look for is I look for a clean ingredient deck, the less ingredients in an item, the better. And so the other thing that I kind of that I look for as well, and that is is almost frustrating, because in Canada, for, for those that don't know, in Canada, um, it's very difficult to get certification um, to be organically certified to grow hydroponically, because one of the main caveats to growing organically is that you must be grown in soil. So that there are some growers in Canada that, that are able to get organic certifi certification because they are growing in the soil. They're just in protected agriculture inside the greenhouse, but they are in soil. Our greenhouse is set up to grow. We don't grow in soil. We grow in Canadian sourced peat. Um, and so we can't get organic certification. And I, one of the most misleading things that I find about the organic industry, and I think that what organic farmers do is amazing. They have a, a huge list of things that they need to check off before that they can be certified. But one of the most frustrating things that most consumers feel is that they purchase organic because they feel it's cleaner. They feel that, you know, organic agriculture doesn't use pesticides and and really what the research shows is that organic farmers do use pesticides they're growing outdoors for the most part and, and they need to have ways of, of controlling pests and and how do they do that they do it with organic pesticides so i feel that sometimes we as the greenhouse industry get labeled as not being clean because we're not able to get certified organic and so i, I really want to go out with the message that we are clean. If you're looking for something that is pesticide free, that is GMO free, that is um, grown with clean water, um, that is grown with limited human touches, um, our value added line, which is inspired leaves, which is the, the ready to eat, we're not triple washed, um, but we are washed and we're, we're only, I believe one of two and one of three facilities in the world that is actually taking it that one step further to have a ready to eat washed product that that is on the shelves most a lot of greenhouse growers are um are not washing the product we we wanted to take it one step further and make sure that that the customers and that the consumers had the utmost confidence in our products so 
You know, I look for a clean ingredient deck and that's, I think the most important on what you're putting into the body, the less chemicals, the less things that you, um, make your body fight off and wonder what this is. I think that the healthier you are as a person, it's amazing what, what increasing fruits and vegetables and fresh produce in your diet can do for the overall health of a person and organic or conventional. The, the end message is just consume more fresh fruits and vegetables, consume as much as you can consume a variety and, and experiment and go out there and, and use different cooking methods and preparation methods and, and just enjoy it. We have the opportunity to have access to fruits and vegetables 365 days a year, whether they are imported from all over the world or they're right in your own backyard. So I, I would just encourage people to experiment and enjoy a wide variety of, of produce items. That's great insight, Rindy. Uh, one of the best answers I, I've heard to that question. So thank you for, for sharing that. I want to be respectful of your time, but I have, I have three final questions. So uh, one that's not necessarily food related. So we're starting to see a major push towards diversity and inclusive hiring practices to get more women and minorities on boards and in senior leadership positions. You've been somebody that's been very successful rising to senior leadership positions within your career. What advice or insight might you give to someone looking to grow and ascend their career trajectory? I think the best advice that I can give to someone would be to don't be afraid to speak up. Your opinion, whether you're at one level or another level, is important. If you see something um, that's important and, and you want to drive forward, you have to be willing to speak up and be willing to be vulnerable when you make a mistake and, and, and own up to that and, and make sure that you learn from your mistakes and you, you have to surround yourself with people that are smarter with you. I'm so fortunate that I have people that astound me every day with what they're able to accomplish. My, my team in Saskatoon, as well as the, the greenhouse team here in Coaldale and, and the, the uh, processing team in Calgary are remarkable. We're, we're all working remote because of the, uh, the, the new way of life with, with COVID right now, but they astound me on what they're able to come to, come to the table with, with every day. So I would encourage people to speak up, surround yourself with really smart people. Don't be afraid to ask questions um, and, and make sure that you have people that are willing to coach you and mentor you and, and willing to uh, bring you along with them. Well said, well said. Um, Second last question. From a policy perspective, what do you think Canada could or should be doing to increase our competitiveness and food security moving forward in a post-COVID-19 world? Obviously, Inspired Greens is a, is a shining example of that, but what can be done, whether it be from how our consumers shop to how the government incentivizes and, and taxes you know, the food industry? Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, you know, I grew up in, in Saskatchewan and, and we are touted as the breadbasket of the world. And my, I have relatives that are grain farmers. I have, you know, relatives that are pulse farmers. And the interesting thing about Saskatchewan is that we grow the foundation to make all of these products. But what we, what we're, and we're starting to do this in Saskatchewan is that we don't finish our products. We don't end up with a consumer ready product. So I think that it's really important um, for the support of the government, as well as not only the, the national government, but also the, the local government and the provincial level is that we're supporting 
um, processors, as well as these entrepreneurs who want to take products that are growing close to home and turn them into something that a consumer can buy at their local grocery store. There's, there's examples um, that are coming, coming forward all the time. Um, one company that we just worked really closely with was three farmers out of, they're out of Saskatoon as well. And they do a, a wonderful product um, of roasted chickpeas and lentils, which are all grown in Saskatchewan and they're all growing in the prairies and, and we're utilizing those in our finished salads. Um, that you can find at grocery stores and, and on our website as well. So how awesome is it to be able to include products that um, people right in your own backyard have taken to finishing as well? So there's there's other companies that are doing granola bars. There's other companies that are using technology. You know, Mike, your technology on, on changing the way that we look at certain foods and on on that aspect as well. So it's, it's really exciting. And there are so many things and so many ingenious ideas that are just coming to the surface that we are in for a wide variety of, of food and products that we can purchase, you know, with that hundred kilometer radius for sure. And I think, sorry, I just want to add to that. I think that if you find a really great local product, Tell your friends, tell your neighbor, because when we do that and when we support local, you're supporting your neighbor, you're supporting your friends with um, the employment to make those products into finished goods. I couldn't agree more uh, on both of those fronts. And, and I think traditionally Canada, because we are, we do have a pretty low population relative to the rest of the world. We, you know, we haven't made a lot of investments into food processing. We've grown a lot of the inputs, but then, you know, we ship, we ship it you know, overseas, turn it into a value add product, and then we buy it back at the premium. And that really just doesn't make sense to me in a post COVID-19 world. So uh, I'm hoping that government and industry can, can find ways to, uh, to increase that. So last question, Rindy, where can Canadians find inspired green products? So we're lucky enough that Canadians can pick up our product anywhere from BC to Prince Edward Island, but you can find us at all of the Loblaw banners across Canada. You can find us at Costco in Western Canada. You can find us at all Sobeys locations in Western Canada, as well as Ontario. You can find us at all Safeway stores in Western Canada, uh, Sunterra markets in Calgary. You can find us at uh, all of the co-op locations from Manitoba to BC, as well as the Calgary co-op stores as well. So there's lots of opportunities to go out and, and find our product. And please, if you have any feedback or any interesting comments, um, we're always listening and we always appreciate people letting us know what they think of our product. So reach out to us, let us know what you think, let us know what we can do better, let us know what you love, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. Yeah, that's fantastic. No shortage of, of places to, to eat Canadian grown greens. So uh, we'll leave the viewers with the message of eat your greens and support support Canadian growers. So Absolutely. thank you very much, Randy, for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mike. It was great to talk to you.